Welcome to God's Acre On The Go, a worship podcast of the Congregational Church of New Canaan in New Canaan, Connecticut. To learn about the life of our church, our in-person ministries, and the virtual connections and offerings available, please visit us at www.godsacre.org. Now, wherever you are, wherever you are going, we welcome you to worship. Church family, this is the day the Lord has made, and we will rejoice and be glad in it. Welcome to God's Acre on the Go, wherever you happen to be, wherever you're traveling. We're so grateful to have you tune in and be a part of what we're doing here on God's Acre. Today, we turn our attention to some very familiar lessons in the Gospel of Luke. We'll look at the uh, parable of the um, lost sheep and the parable of the lost coin and consider uh, how God might deal with our lostness and how we might uh, join uh, God, our Lord, uh, in the recovery effort and mission. So I invite you to prepare yourself for that word as we now listen together to our morning's anthem. See, see. 
So as promised, we turn our attention to uh, chapter 15 in the Gospel of Luke. This is the parable of the lost sheep followed by the parable of the lost coin. It says, now all the tax collectors and sinners were coming near to listen to Jesus. And the Pharisees and the scribes were grumbling, saying, this fellow welcomes sinners and eats with them. So Jesus told them this parable. Which one of you, having a hundred sheep and losing one of them, does not leave the 99 in the wilderness and go after the one that is lost until he finds it. When he's found it, he lays it on his shoulders and rejoices. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. Just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. Or what woman having 10 silver coins... If she loses one of them, does not light a lamp, sweep the house, search carefully until she finds it. And when she found it, she calls together her friends and neighbors saying, Rejoice with me, for I found the coin I had lost. Just so I tell you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Let's pray together. Lord God, uh, we thank you for the time to meditate on your word. We pray that uh, the message you want us to take away this morning might sink deep into our soul, that it would somehow take root and over time grow within us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So today I want us to take a journey uh, all the way from Bulgaria to those lost and found bins you may remember from way back in your school days. Uh, Bulgaria, that country bordering Serbia, Greece, Turkey, the Black Sea, just about 500 miles from Ukraine, and those lost and found bins, those receptacles for misfit clothing and forgotten garments that can double as either germ petri dish or veritable treasure trove. So I want to I start in Bulgaria. Eric Dupi. My dear friend, our beloved former pastor, was told that Bulgaria would be a great place to spend his summer vacation. And and Eric, being Eric, he just up and went. He said, fantastic trip, absolutely fantastic. However, he learned that there's something of a language barrier there. Only one in four people in Bulgaria speak English, and uh, zero in one Eric Dupies speak Bulgarian. I mean, what could possibly go wrong? Now, Eric said he managed fairly well all the way up until the time that he tried to return his rental car. When he tried to find the entry to the rental car agency, he he couldn't read any of the directional signs, so he kind of kept circling and circling the area in a futile attempt to find his way. Now, after a pretty good period of time, he noticed this car uh, from the same rental company, because apparently the the name of the rental company is big and uh, painted on the side of the vehicles. Uh, He noticed it was right behind him. And at first he was concerned that the other car was also lost and he was, uh, the car was following him in hopes of getting to the rental return uh, agency. But, but then Eric noticed the passengers were actually trying to get his attention. Apparently, uh, there was a tracking device on Eric's car and someone in the rental car office noticed that one of their vehicles was circling and circling their location without arriving. So they went out to retrieve the wayward driver. They actually flagged Eric down and led him back in. The rental agents, uh, Eric said, were so thrilled, they even gave Eric a free lift to his next destination. I can only imagine the agents returning to the office saying, rejoice with us, for we have found the American tourist who is lost. You know, 
as Eric was sharing that story with me the other day, I, I thought it was so evocative of these two parables Jesus tells in the scripture. You know this. One of the big objections the Pharisees, the religious leaders of Jesus' day, had with Jesus was that he spent a whole lot of time with sinners, people who were living at a distance from God and God's desires. Now, the way observant Jews, good, faithful Jews in first century Palestine dealt with sinful or impure people was just to stay away from them. Keep your distance. And honestly, it makes sense. The way to ensure one bad apple doesn't spoil the bunch is to stay clear of bad apples. Don't allow sinful living, the sinful living of others, to stain your own life. But what we find over and over and over again is that Jesus took a decidedly different tact. Instead of staying away to keep clean, Jesus went to the sinners, went to the tax collectors in an effort, I think, to infect them with his holiness. Jesus wasn't just out slumming for the fun of it. No, no, no. He had a purpose. Jesus went to eat with sinners as a way of tracking them down to bring them back home. Instead of allowing people to endlessly circle and circle in their own sin, Jesus went out and flagged them down in an effort to bring them back to God. Now, in the New Testament letter of the Hebrews, it says, and I love this, it says, Jesus is the reflection of God's glory. And it says, and the exact imprint of God's very being. When we look at Jesus, we see God. That's what that means. Jesus's life and teaching is expressive of God's character. Now, what Jesus was demonstrating and instructing in this passage was that when people go astray, when we get lost, God takes responsibility. Think about that. God takes responsibility for tracking us down and leading us home. In fact, the Lord finds great joy. I, I don't know if you heard it as, as, as I read, but, but joy or rejoicing is mentioned five times in 10 verses. So uh, the Lord finds great joy in the retrieval of wayward sheep, coins, and souls, obviously. Now, notice how diligently in the story the shepherd and the woman work in their efforts at retrieval. Now, I suspect it can be rather helpful to a divine pursuer if we actually pause pause, look in the rearview mirror to see if someone's following us in an attempt to get our attention. That actually, that, that, that pausing and turning around, that, there's a, a, a faith word for that. It's called repentance, turning in God's direction. But the thing I want you to take away just at the moment is that according to these scriptures, God takes initiative to track us down and get our attention when we're lost, whether, whether we're looking for it or not, whether we realize it or not. Now, I want to take a moment to define lostness, if you will. In this passage, sin and lostness are synonymous. Sin is uh, broadly defined as separation from God, anything that separates us from God. And, and to be lost is to be separated from our way, literally confusion with our current location and our inability to reorient. Now, in Jesus's day, tax collectors were about as lost as souls could get. In Palestine, Tax collectors were Jews who had lobbied Rome to be allowed to collect taxes from their own people. Uh, tax collectors would bid uh, for the work by estimating how much money they could exact from their own people for Rome. And then whatever above and beyond that amount they could collect was theirs to keep. So they were Jews who were considered traitors because they were making a living off their own people. As a result, tax collectors were considered ritually unclean. They were classified along with murderers and robbers. Tax collectors were considered so reprobate that rabbis actually taught that it was lawful to lie to them in order to avoid paying taxes. 
That's how much animosity existed between Jews and their tax-collecting brethren. And yet, Jesus still went out to track those folks down. We know this from the Bible. Jesus accepted invitations to eat in their homes, most famously with Zacchaeus, if you remember that story in Luke. Jesus even welcomed one tax collector, Matthew, as his own disciple. So instead of keeping Jesus' distance in order to keep clean, Jesus took his holiness out into the world in an effort to make this sinful world and all of us in it holy. Now, I'm curious, you know, and just reflect yourself. Have you ever felt personally lost, separated from God, separated maybe from the people you've cared about, separated from your own sense of self or your own sense of direction or purpose? Do you at times or oftentimes feel sinful? Are you as convicted by our prayer of confession as I tend to be each week? Paul said that we're all sinners who've fallen short of the glory of God. So have you, like me, fallen short in thought, word, and deed by what you've done or by what you've left undone? Well, if your answer is yes, then there's good news. That means the Lord is tracking us. God has noticed that we're turning in circle in circle of lostness and the Lord is in hot pursuit. Take a look. Jesus might be right on your tail trying to get your direction, your, uh, your attention. Now, there are actually some fairly interesting statistics about people who get physically lost in the world somewhere. First, 98% of search efforts for lost people are successful. And 50% of lost people are found within the first three hours of searching. And that's probably because people who get lost tend to walk in circles. Uh, it, it, it's a common uh, thing that happens thanks to a less than accurate biological compass. And 54% and of lost people are found within two miles, two miles of the point when they were last seen, which means like Eric, just around the corner from the rental car agency or, or the tax collectors in Palestine who are living at odds with their own faith family, the bad news about that is you don't need to travel all that far to get lost. It doesn't, doesn't take all that much for us to get off track. However, good news, and this is important, neither are you so far gone that you can't be rather easily found. According to statistics, we rarely get that far off track. That means that the, the joy of retrieval, the joy of return for you, for me, for the Lord, might be just around the bend or visibly approaching in the rearview mirror. Now, meditating on lost and found got me thinking about those bins, you know, the lost and found bins for lost and forgotten items that we used to uh, have in school. We actually have something of a lost and found bin here at church, too, um, for shoes, gloves, hats, jerseys, sunglasses, whatever, everything, anything you could think to lose. And over the years, I found there tends to be two reactions to lost and found bin when folks just kind of happen upon it. Not, not when they go looking for something that they've lost, but when they just see that we have one. Uh, one reaction is kind of mild disdain, as if it's only a receptacle for germs and worthless items. You don't, and honestly, you don't, you don't need to be a total germaphobe not to want to dive in and rummage around articles of clothing that have been sitting in a bin for months, unretrieved and unwashed. So... One response to that which is lost and found in that bin is distance. I, I don't want to be sullied by that mess of stuff, right? That's one reaction. But then there's another response. Fun, some folks happen upon the bin, and it's like they've stumbled upon buried treasure. They say, look at all this great stuff. 
Who would, who would leave that or this behind? I, I can't believe someone didn't come back to get that great hat or that sweatshirt or those jerseys. If no one wants this stuff, can I take it? Now, if the Apostle Paul was right that we're all sinners in need of God's grace, that we're all lost souls in need of finding from time to time or more often than not, then I think Jesus looks at us in the sanctuary. When you're with us in the sanctuary, Jesus looks at that lost and found bin and gets excited. He says, look at all these folks. Look at all the amazing ability in here. Can you believe that some of these folks have been left behind or discarded or misplaced? There's treasure in here. Now, Pharisees wouldn't have anything to do with our little germy uh, bin here at church, but Jesus, Jesus, no, Jesus gets excited, and he will rummage around in this bin and within our lives as long as it takes to get a hold of us and bring us home. So, if Jesus is the very reflection and exact imprint of our lost and found God, what are we to think and do about that? Well, If you're ever feeling lost or discarded or merely discouraged, if you think your thoughts, words, or deeds, or the thoughts, words, and deeds of others have set you at a distance from the Lord, then I've got good news for you. You're not all that far from being found. God is tracking you down, so so keep your eyes peeled for the next exit or for someone to show up in your rear view mirror. Jesus believes and studies show you are not as far gone as you think. And If conversely, we have found ourselves in the Lord, if we happen to be one of the 99 not lost sheep or one of the nine coins that hasn't yet fallen out of the pocket and onto the floor and under the rug, what are we to do? Well, you know, we can join in the joy of the recovery effort. We can go out and track down the ministry uh, missing. We can go in search of the lost. We can go to the table of that estranged family member. We can seek out that wayward or former friend. In, in love of the lost, we can speak to and speak up about the addiction we might see or the abuse we might suspect or the affair that we might be witness to. Reach out not only to the offended, but also to the offender. Get comfortable in the lost and found bin that is this world. See the people around you as the treasure Jesus knows them to be. Help folks from Bulgaria to the sheepfold to the change purse to the lost and found bin to make their way home. According to scripture, when the circles of sin cease and when the lost are ushered back home, there is more joy to be experienced than heaven itself can contain. Let's pray. Lord God, um, we thank you that you track us down because so often we do feel lost and we want you to be in our lives. We want you to uh, be present to us in important ways. Uh, So, Lord God, uh, we just thank you that you think enough of us, that you love us enough to follow us wherever we might go, to draw us back in, to draw us back to you. We pray this in gratitude, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, church family, as you begin another week, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord's face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord look upon you with kindness and give you peace now and forevermore. Amen. Thank you for joining us for Worship on the Go. To support this podcast and the ministries of our church, please consider making a contribution by clicking the Give button in the top right on our website, www.godsacre.org, or within today's email. God bless you and have a wonderful week.